we're going to start a little segment called Ask a Blind Person, and we have two questions. Let me just pull them up. Okay. So, D. Ward says, Hey, gals, I just wanted to let you know that I love your podcast. I found it about two weeks ago, and I've listened to all your episodes. I'm a 52-year-old man who lost my vision three years ago this April. My condition is P-I-O-N, or posterior ischemic optic neuropathy, which just means that my optic nerves have died. It was caused by a lack of oxygen during my back surgery. I went in seeing 2020 and came out blind. Needless to say, the adjustment has not been easy. That's what got me here. I have a question about navigating the internet. Do you guys know a way to navigate around all obnoxious ads and things we would choose just not to look at if we could see? Thanks and keep up the awesome work. I've been mentioning your podcast to all my blind friends. Thanks, D. Kimberly, you want to take this one? Sure. Well, um, I don't know much about NVDA, but I do know a lot about JAWS. I'm assuming you're using JAWS, and I've heard that NVDA is a little similar. As far as ads and such, there are some shortcuts you can use, like the H key if you're working with JAWS moves from heading to heading. The B key moves to the buttons on the page, like say you're trying to find the download button or the I accept button. Um, Let's see, Alt and Page Up moves to the beginning of the page on the internet. And basically, I do know that a lot of people complain about Facebook, especially, saying that there's so much clutter on there. And there are some websites you can go to, which is M as in mobile, which the M stands for mobile, dot facebook.com. That will bring you to the mobile site, and there's a lot less ads on those. Also, um, that goes for a whole bunch of different websites. I can't think of any others at the top of my head, but I bet there's one for Twitter or, and also there's other internet browsers you can use, like Firefox, I was told is good for if you use NVDA. And I know there's one called Edge. There's, uh, obviously there's Internet Explorer. I've had friends tell me that they just kind of mess around with those different browsers and a little more, um, a little, some of them are a lot more blind friendly than others. So those are a few commands that might help you that I use because otherwise you're just using the arrow keys and it's like, it's all that clutter and things like that. So um, I hope that helps. And if you do have any more questions, please contact us, and I'm sure I could provide you with a list of commands involving those two programs. Okay, awesome. And then we have another question from somebody who actually contacted us via Twitter, Aza Fran, or Aza Fran. I don't know how to pronounce that handle, but... Um, they say, hi, long story short, mostly my 83 year old boss is rapidly going blind. We make and sell jewelry and I'm his only employee. 
and lives alone. I'm finding few resources to help him. His ophthalmologist hasn't even recommended anything, which apparently is pretty standard and infuriating. I stumbled upon the ab leads, our weird hashtag, and created my first Twitter account in hopes of finding some insight and tools to help him. I saw a post of yours, and I'm hoping you may be able to point me in the direction of some resources. What can I do to help him access emails, phone calls, and use phone apps, specifically Lyft and Uber? All we both know about is a little device called Blaze. Well, if you want to have a device that can actually help accessing emails and phone calls and apps and things like that, <clears throat> I would recommend a smartphone like an iPhone, which has voiceover, or... Samsung, which has a screen reader in there as well, or any Android that has Google Talk back, because you'd be able to have access to your emails, your phone, and like apps like Lyft and Uber for ride sharing services and stuff like that. I think that would be very beneficial. I don't know where you live, but um, wherever you do live, like, you can definitely, definitely have access to a smartphone. Um, that is all I will say. Kimberly, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, that would be my best bet, is the smartphone. If you do have JAWS, which I'm assuming by what they're saying, they don't really have very many things at their disposal at the moment. But for those of you who do have JAWS, Outlook is a very blind-friendly program to use to find to get your emails. And the rest, like apps and stuff, yeah, I would I would do what Angie mentioned and, and get an iPhone and things like that because I'm not very familiar with apps and doing that on computers and things like that. So All right. Well, that concludes our little segment for today. Yeah, so hi, um, I'm here with my co-host, Kimberly. Hello, Julie. Hello. Everybody, this is the wonderful Julie Johnson, and I will, I will definitely sing her praises as to why she's wonderful. But... <laughs> just, just wait, I, I'll tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> All while bowing yeah. down to Julie Johnson. Okay, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, no. no, I'm just a regular person and I have a fair bout of, you know, my own level of crazy and did she do that? You know, yeah, I, I have all that too. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, guys, Julie Johnson is an owner trainer and she has never been through a guide dog program. And she, every guide dog that she's had, she's trained herself. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about you, about who you are, what you do, and why you've decided to own or train, and just, like, the differences and things of that nature. Yeah, so, um, gosh, that's a big, that's a big order. Um, <laughs> let's see, where do I, 
I don't even know where to start. So I live in Southeast Nebraska with my husband and I have two dogs in the house right now. My older, uh, mostly retired guide, Monty, and my, I say younger, but she's going to be six in a month. So she's not actually young and she's younger than Monty. So I guess I can still say my younger dog, Um, Jetta, and she is my current working guide. And I actually did not owner train Jetta. She was privately trained for me, um, at least, you know, the the starter package. And then I did some of her, yeah, finishing up the more advanced skills and getting her a lot of experience and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I work from home. I run my own business on the go, which is dog gear, all kinds of dog gear, especially selected with guidance service dog users in mind. So it seems like my whole life just revolves around dogs all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of dog stuff. Dogs all day. Every yes. Day. Can we can yeah. we link your uh, business onto the show notes? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. And if you need the link, I can send it to you again. It's guideandservicedogs.com with dashes in okay, there. Okay, that's awesome. Um, just to make life, you know, a little more exciting. Right. Gotta <laughs> make it extra complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so sure. Yeah. I feel like I forgot something yeah. there that you wanted to know. So help, what did I forget? So can you tell us a little bit about why owner training and what made you decide to owner train and how the process is different than a, than a program? I don't think anything made, I mean, it's, it's a choice. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Just, you know, like getting a guide dog at all is a choice. So I think, curiosity (laughs) was the really big factor Mm -hmm. I don't know um so I had been training dogs for a long time I started training dogs when I was oh junior high early high school eighth grade ninth grade something like that for a long time and back then I uh was competing in fly ball and obedience trials. And I did some agility with my dog, but we didn't compete in agility. So it was just fun. Um, And I tried confirmation too, but he wasn't really, (laughs) he's a good dog, but he wasn't like a model of the breed. You know, he's a little, little smaller, a little skinny or you know um but super super athletic and did really great you know at the other stuff so so confirmation confirmation is like dog showing in case if people yeah it's the beauty contest yeah the 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 dog (laughs) version of a of a of a beauty pageant look at me i'm pretty yeah yeah (laughs) yeah So, uh, yeah, just, you know, tried a lot of different things and um, was part of a a dog training club back then and, you know, met a lot of other people and learned a lot about um, just dog training in general. And back then it was very um, correction based. Mm -hmm. That was really the only method that anybody used, Mm -hmm. knew about. yeah. And then over the years, you know, I've had other pet dogs and learned other techniques and just kind of grew as a trainer. So by the time, and I was one of the, the blind people that said, I'm never going to get a gun mm. dog, you know, that, that, <laughs> you 
Yeah. And then, um, I don't know, there wasn't like any defining moment or anything, but it was just like, oh, you know, I wonder what it would be like to have a guide. And I just, I, my whole personality is very like do it yourself adventurous. So I thought about going to a program, you know, I, I looked at different ones, um, called one and talked to a representative, but it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't click. It didn't feel right. So I had a dog at home then who I had had from a puppy and she was sweet, had, you know, really solid around all kinds of everything and anything. I mean, she wasn't like the brightest dog, but she could learn. I mean, she wasn't slow or anything. Um, so I just, you know, I have this dog and I just want to see like, can I do this? Is this a thing? Am I even going to like it? So I, you know, I didn't want to commit to another dog if it just wasn't for me. I don't know. Just a curiosity, right? right. It was an experiment. Right. So yeah. So then I just, I went for it and here we are 20 years later and, um, <laughs> dog number four so yeah it's it's been it's been fun it's been a good time awesome and that's the other thing I really enjoy training um you know I had done dog training before which I mean obviously I enjoyed it I did all different kinds of things so I I just enjoy the process of training too so that was also a big draw Mm -hmm. um for me to own or train yeah that's kind of the right the core of it okay Kimberly do you have Anything you want to ask, Julie? Yeah. Um, you mentioned taking like classes or whatever in high school. Now, can you explain what the process is to be owner trained, or is it like, oh, I just want to give a few commands to my pet dog? Um. So I classes in high school. I didn't oh. take any dog. I mean, I went to a obedience club where they offered dog cl- it was separate from my high school okay. I mean it was just during oh, yeah, that's that, what I time mean. Frame. During oh, that okay. time yeah so it was just the regular classes that anybody takes their dog to um, we went through they have the puppy class and then there's basic obedience and then there was advanced basic I don't remember what they called it um, I think it was just advanced basic. And then you could get, after you got through those, then there was like, you could go on to like your intermediate, which is like um, distance retrieves and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, uh, or, you know, you could branch out into like some of the sport things. And that's what I did. So that's the classes um, okay. that I attended. Um, what is the process to owner train? So, um, in order for your dog to be legally a service dog in the United States, um, first of all, the handler has to have a disability, um, that is defined under the Americans with Disabilities Act or your state law. And so those are usually like seeing, hearing, walking, you know, those kinds of things we think of as disabilities. Um, Then the dog has to be individually trained to do stuff to mitigate the handler's disability. 
So I'm blind, so my dogs are trained to do guide work. So if I decided to train my dog to alert to the phone ringing or something, then it would not be a legal service dog for me because its tasks don't meet up right. with my disability. So, and that's basically it. Um, there's some other, like your dog has to be under your control. It can't present a health or safety risk. Oh, I think there's something else that I'm forgetting right at the moment, um, but you know, all the obvious things, it has to be temperament, yeah. public access, and then also before it starts formal harness training, which I'm sure Julie will talk about in a second, like, um, it, you have to be sure that it gets tested for the patellas, which are the knees, the, uh, shoulders. Well, yeah, you, those are things aren't required. Oh. Oh. I mean, there's no, there's no legal I mean, those, it's good ideas. Oh. I mean, you, yeah, but there's, there's no legal requirement to, for the health okay. testing. I was, I was going um, a bit over my head a little bit, but. No, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, it's, it's good practice. You should do that. I mean, if you're investing that amount of time and money into right. a dog, you want to make sure that they're physically able to do it for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, and then your dog has to be an adult and it has to be housebroken. Mm -hmm. Those are some other restrictions, which to me, you know, seems like super obvious. And I would hope that we wouldn't actually need a rule to cover those things, but apparently we do. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it. And then you just, you can train your dog yourself. You can hire someone to train it. You can go, you know, through a program that does that, like as a charity um, yeah, but the how where the dog comes from doesn't make any difference no. in the United okay. States um, from a legal standpoint. Right. And nope. can you um, can you also explain this huge misconception to our listeners that there is no certification for a service animal in the U.S. There is no government legal certification for service animals. I mean, I, these days, like anybody can certify anything, you know? Um, but it's just, I hereby certify, you know, my dog is bona fide guide dog. And that has just as much legal, um, status as, you know, a dog from a program with an ID card. Those ID cards are just printed like in-house and then, you know, laminated with a little machine. There's nothing magical right. or official. Um, it just states that that dog is certified by that particular program. And that you train but, with it, right? Um, right. But, but that certification is only... Um, from that, it doesn't, there's no legal association with, like, because our government doesn't, um, isn't involved right. with service dog certifications, and it's not required. So when people say that their dog is certified, that, I mean, it, it may be, um, you know, it's, you 
you buy jewelry and it's certified authentic. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is certified Mm -hmm. these days. I mean, everybody's certifying something and the word has kind of lost its meaning, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if I printed out a card here at home and had it laminated, it has the same, the same legal standing as, as any other ID card from anywhere else. Right. And I don't do that. Um, it's not legally required and, um, and I don't personally feel that I need that. My feeling is, you know, if people need a card to help them advocate for themselves, then, you know, go for it, but please use it responsibly. It's kind of my take on that yeah, because like yeah. I've, I've i've had um you know because at the end of the day what makes a service dog a service dog is the tasks that it performs to mitigate its handler's disability like i had a discussion mm-hmm. with somebody about this and she was like oh you know well what how would an owner trainer or somebody who has their dog privately trained like how are they certified and i'm like well the u.s doesn't require any legal certification right for the dog and she's like yeah oh, well, businesses have asked me for my id and i show it to them some businesses and I'm, well, I'm like well they're breaking the law because they don't they cannot ask for a legal id that is illegal the only two questions that they can ask is if is, is it a service dog and what tasks does it perform? Right. Yep. Because I... But there's just so much misinformation mm-hmm. and assumptions and stuff. But, you know, I my day-to-day life, it doesn't... Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think over all the years. I think I've only ever been asked for paperwork one time mm-hmm. at a hotel. And we had a discussion and she she was okay, but she had been told by a previous service dog handler who showed the ID that, well, all legitimate service dogs will have a card. No. And so it's uh, like, that really complicates yeah, my life. It, yeah, you know, when, yeah. when the misinformation is mm-hmm. spread around. Um, and I do carry like information cards, um, that just, it, it's not like an ID card. It's just a general, um, Department of Justice um, phone number is on there and then just some general information about service dogs. So I, I do have those um, or had those. Now that I'm thinking about that, I don't even know where they are anymore. <laughs> That's how often I pull them out. But, you know, over the years, I just I have not had um, access issues with my dogs. Um they're reasonably well behaved. I mean, they're not perfect, but they have their moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I feel like if your dog is well behaved, groomed, doesn't you know make a menace of itself or interrupt you know the what it, what's going on, um, and it is obvious. Oh, look, the dog. You know, it's doing a thing. Um, I just I don't encounter. Um, a lot of problems. So I've been fortunate, I think. Um, I also live in a small town. Mm-hmm. And so, right. <laughs> you know, it's after a while, everybody knows you. Right. And so you just become part of the scenery. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, it's really important for the public to just know, know that sort of stuff. Kimberly, any questions? Any more questions for Julie? No, I, 
think that covered it. Okay, well, Julie, you did you did write a book about your experience with Undercutting Monty, <laughs> right? Can you talk about did. that? Yeah, my book. So it's on, it's Courage to Dare, A Blind Woman's Quest to Train Her Own Guide Dog. And it's on Amazon Kindle and um, in large print also through Amazon. Um you can order it there. Um, and it's just about the year leading up. To, so from the day that I got Monty and then the year leading up to when I took him to work with me for the first time, which is the closest thing that I have to like a graduation day. Because when you own a train, I mean, you can have a graduation if you want, I guess, invite all your friends and have a big barbecue, you know, you can do whatever right. you want. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but that kind of when I took him to work for the first time is the kind of the moment that I, in my mind, um, think of as, okay, he's official, you know, he's, he's really doing it now. And, um, yeah. And so it just goes, you know, from there and then, um, you know, a lot of anecdotes, what it's like to own or train, the frustrations, um, you know, it's all you mm-hmm. all the time. And that's kind of the whole point of the owner training. And I, and I love it, but it also gets hard sometimes because sometimes you just want to call somebody and, okay, what do I do here? My dog is doing this crazy thing. And what do I, how do I fix it? Um, and so, you know, now I have like a huge, you know, network of other seasoned owner trainers who have, you know, multiple dogs and they're very knowledgeable. And I do absolutely, you know, talk to them like, hey, my dog is doing this crazy thing. What do you think? You know, and um, and we work it out and it, it is helpful. But in the beginning, I didn't have that so much. And so it, it was kind of lonely and kind of stressful at times. Right. Okay. Well, I, I do, I do have, I, I do have one quite or a couple of questions. One question being, how do you know that you've chosen the right puppy for, um, as a service dog prospect? Like, what do you do when you're look, when you look for pups? Um, so, well, so how do you know you've chosen the right dog? Okay. So you don't, um, that's, that's the gamble. You don't, um, until you do, you know, and sometimes there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in the in-between time. And, but that's, that's owner training. That's part of the gamble. Um, but it may not, it may not work out and you have to have a backup plan. You know, am I going to keep the dog as a pet? Do I have somebody I can rehome it with? Um, is the breeder or the shelter or whatever going to take the dog back? You know, those are things you have to figure out before you come home with a Mm -hmm. dog. You have to have a, a plan B already lined up. Um, so what do you do to pick out a puppy? So I like the, um, Volhart puppy, aptitude test pat i think it's puppy aptitude yeah that sounds right um and it's a series of temperament tests so you like pick up the puppy you roll them over you 
roll a ball or wadded a piece of paper to test prey drive. You drop something loud to test a startle response. You know, there's, I don't, I think eight, I don't remember how many different tests, Um, but they're all just real simple things, you know, you can do um, quickly. You know, you could get through all of the tests and I don't know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes with a, with a dog, um, to kind of get a perspective of the dog's personality, their temperament. And so there's no right, or it's just like, you know, with the people personality test, whether, you know, you're introvert or extrovert or whatever, there's no pass or fail. It's just going to tell you what kind of adult dog is likely. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, when you're testing a seven or eight week old puppy, there's a lot of shaping and molding, um, that comes about in the next couple of years, you know, through their, um, puppy raising. So, you know, you kind of just have to make your best guess and then, uh, work hard, work very hard to get that puppy ready. Um, to, to be a service dog when it grows up. Um, or, you know, like Monty and Belle, my second dog, those two I selected, they were older puppies. Then they came from shelters. So they were, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 months old, um, when I got them. And so you have a better idea of their temperament. You can see it a lot more clearly. It's a lot more developed in an older dog, but they've also developed, you know, bad habits and, um, quirks and, you know, all kinds of things. So, you know, it's kind of six of one half dozen of another, you know, if you go with a puppy, young puppy, like two months old, you have the ability to really shape the dog and, do the puppy socialization to like really bring out the best of the dog, Mm -hmm. but all that takes time. But if you go with an older dog, you're going to be looking at a lot more dogs to find the right one. So it's just kind of where, where do you want to put your time and energy? You know, what's your preference? What do you want to do? So Uh, I'm trying to think of another question to ask because there's so much. Um, Yeah. What do you do? if the dog that you chose as a prospect doesn't work out? Um, I keep my dogs. Okay. They, they have a home here for, um, with a couple of exceptions. Um, I don't do biting. Mm-hmm. So if I had a dog, um, she came from a shelter and I think she made it here for three, three whole days before she had to go. Um, and she seemed sweet and lovable and adorable. And then she came home and bit. Oh, and that was oh. it. You know, that is just like you've crossed the right. line. I'm not doing it. So, with that exception, <laughs> I keep my dogs um, for their entire lifetime. And as of right now, because I own my own home and um, I have the space and I have the ability to do mm. that. Now, if my life circumstances change, you know, I may have to rethink that. But for right now, that works for me. So. That's what I do, but not, I mean, that's not a rule. Right. I mean, it's, it's owner, like everybody just has to find their own right. way and figure exactly. out what works. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Any more questions for Julie? No, I think you covered okay. it. Okay. All right. 
I just want to ask, just in case if anything else comes up, how about, tell us about your business, um, Guide and Service Dogs. Like, what what kind of equipment do you sell? Um, goodness. I think we're up to, like, 75 products now. I have quite a few. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. The harnesses are probably what most people know. And they are beautiful. Um, I, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they come in all kinds of colors, and they're yeah, they're super comfy. They're a, a nylon webbing that's padded, and they're the Y front, so there's more shoulder motion availability. I didn't say that very mm-hmm. fluently, but any hopefully people get the right. idea. Um, it's less restrictive to the dog's movement. And let's see, I have harness pouches and saddlebags and a bazillion different leashes and collars, brushes, first aid kits, bells, all kinds of really cute um, collar bells, bells for the door, um, lights. We have uh, clip-on collar lights and just got in new handle lights. I don't even have those listed anywhere i haven't had time to write up the description but those just came in and they like clip onto the the side of the handle you know so you can have more visibility and relieving harnesses oh my goodness travel bowls raincoats towels cooling collars (laughs) i just drew this off the top of my head everything and anything Um, yeah, there's there's quite a quite a catalog these days. So, yeah, lots of things, and I'm always you know adding new things. We like I said, we just got in the harness handle lights, and I just got in um, plush travel mats. Ooh. Jetta's really enjoying the. She has the sample one. I ordered just like a single one to see if I was going to like it and if it was, you know, high quality and whatever. And, uh, she has thoroughly enjoyed that. (laughs) And so those just came in. Um, they're really cool. They're like, um, they're like a micro suede on the back and then like a really plush cushiony, um, on the top side. And then you fold them in thirds and like roll it up Mm -hmm. and then it snaps closed. And then there's a handle, so it, it rolls up really neat for travel. So you can carry those. Um, yeah, and I'm always adding, you know, new things. And a lot of it is by customer request. Okay. So, you know, people will randomly contact me and, oh, you know, I really want this. Um, I had somebody request a waist belt hands-free leash because the hands-free leash I do is like um, over the shoulder crossbody and they wanted one that like connected to like a belt and I'm like Uh oh yeah I can do that so then you know that became a new a new product um the the harness handle signs you know I'm yeah I had just like a service dog do not distract Mm -hmm which I think, you know, is straightforward and to the point. And by customer request, I had somebody, they wanted a red sign with white letters and it says stop, you know, like a stop sign kind of theme. And then underneath of that, it says, leave the dog alone. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Love it. Those are super popular. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always adding things um, that people 
are requesting, you know, that, that people want. So, and some of the things I make here and some of the things I order, you know, from manufacturers, if I'm not able to, to make it here. So can you go into what, um, a person needs to have with them when traveling a dog with a dog or even like going on trips, what to make sure to bring with them, such as like food and bowls and those types of products? Yeah. So, you know, my list might be different and I think it varies depending on, you know, where you're going. Um, but I, uh, always try. So poop, pick up bags, like that's number one, make sure you have about three times more than you can possibly imagine you'll need. Cause you just never, I, they're small. So mm-hmm. pack lots extra, um, some kind of bowl. Like I have a silicone collapsible travel bowl that I like, cause it doesn't take up very much space in the suitcase, but you know, something, so your dog isn't, you know, drinking out of the ice bucket at the hotel. Cause that's <laughs> super tacky. Don't, don't do that. Um, so some kind of bowl, their food, um, depending on your dog, bottled water or a portable water filter. So, um, where I live, our water is not chlorinated. So, uh, sometimes if we travel to a place and the water is heavily chlorinated, my dogs don't want to drink it. So I have to, yeah, give them bottled or filtered water so that they'll, you know, not get dehydrated, but I don't, you know, maybe if you live in a large city and your dog is used to that, it's not going to be an issue. So like I said, it just varies, you know, from person to person. Um, goodness, what, oh, I, I always travel with a first aid kit because I don't know, that's how I roll. I'm just (laughs) one of those, like the first aid kit and the multi-tool. I always pack those things. Um, And they come in handy, you know, every now and then, you know, you just really need a pair of pliers and it's totally random. But, you know, when you do need scissors or, you know, needle and thread and um, it's kind of, it's a lifesaver. So, ah, gosh, what else? Um, you know, you might pack things like um, raincoat, boots, towel, you know, depending on what you're doing, uh, some kind of mat for the dog to lay on, a pop-up kennel or tie-down. Um, yeah, I think those are it's something for the dog to do. So, like, I always try to pack a toy or a bone that's, like, special. They don't get it except when we travel, so it's, you know, a novelty <laughs> and keeps their interest okay okay all right anything else you want to add before um no like um i i'm glad you went through the things that to bring when you travel in your products because they sound really nifty and um most people don't know the things that are out there and most people don't realize how much is put into a guide dog and and um like how much stuff is needed or that they should be using and like the raincoat and boots people might question that but i know the raincoat is for you don't sell they're not when they're caught in the rain they don't come back smelling like wet dog or um Mm -hmm. the boots for hot or even cold locations and things like that 
Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it depends on the person, the dog, you know, where you're going. There's so many variables, but, you know, just to think ahead about, is it rainy? You know, where I'm traveling to, is this their rainy season? Is it going to be hot? Um, and some of it comes with experience. You know, the more that you travel with your dog, the more you realize, you know, I really, really should have packed, you know, whatever thing this, you know, and then you, you won't forget it. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. For sure. I mean, it, it, it just like with the program handler, I mean, it doesn't all come overnight. I mean, I had a lot of dog experience in the beginning, but hadn't traveled with my dogs until, you know, they, they were guides and working and it, it is a learning curve for everybody, you know, um, so, you know, be gentle with yourself and just think of it, you know, this is an opportunity to learn. And next time I will remember to pack, you know, whatever the thing, you know, that you forgot, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it comes together in the end, you know, it, it all works out. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed having you on our podcast and uh, we enjoyed listening to to your um, adventure with owner training and and talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Glad that you invited me. Appreciate that. <laughs> and we loved having you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. All right. Well, we will definitely keep in touch with you. And if you ever want to come back to our show, know that you are more than welcome to. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that was Julie Johnson, the um, owner trainer, and um, she's also the owner of On The Go Guide Dogs and Service Dogs. So I will be linking her book and her store on the show notes below. So that way you can definitely check it out because she does, in, in fact, make beautiful harnesses. One of my good friends who is also an owner trainer has a lot of her gear and her harnesses are very, very beautiful, very beautifully made. All right. Well, Kimberly, what did you think? I thought it was good. I learned a lot. Me too.